welcome to the Think Orange podcast, where we want to encourage and equip leaders like you who are investing in the faith and future of the next generation. This summer, we are so excited to share with you a special podcast takeover from some of our good friends. If you've ever listened to the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast, you know it's a great resource. And we are celebrating the return of the RYM podcast by sharing some of our favorite episodes right here. Now, maybe you don't work directly with teenagers, or maybe you lead kids or staff members or volunteers. Maybe you're a parent, and if that's you, I want you to stick around because the conversations in these episodes will be helpful to all leaders, no matter the age. And if you like what you hear, head on over to Rethinking Youth Ministries podcast and subscribe to that one too. But for now, enjoy this fan favorite episode from Rethinking Youth Ministry. What's up, friends, and welcome to the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, just having some real honest conversations about what it looks like for all of us to lead this next generation. I am Brett, and today I'm super excited to be joined by Crystal. Hey there. Chef. Hey, everybody. And Stuart. Greetings and salutations. Oh, good gracious. <laughs> the breath you took, I was expecting something with like, that was going to be boisterous and really energetic, and you were like, Greetings and salutations. <laughs> well, Crystal quoted scripture to us before we started this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. So I'm feeling quite devotional. All right. So who knows where this podcast <laughs> is headed? The intent of this podcast, though, is that we're going to be talking through the question, how do we handle conflict in youth ministry? So on a scale a of idea. <laughs> on, on a scale from comfortable to uncomfortable, how are you guys when it comes to the idea of conflict? Crystal? Where does an anxiety attack fall on the scale? <laughs> Slightly below uncomfortable. Yes. I'm in the negative scores on uncomfortable. Okay. Chef? Uh, I don't know that I'm... I don't know. I just feel like as much as I hate it in the moment, I'd love to have been in conflict because normally something has happened. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm stuck. Maybe... I mean, so we'll go five. Like, I hate it. You know, there's bad conflict, there's useless conflict, and yeah. then there's super good conflict, yeah. you know? So I don't know how to answer that question. I look at it the way I think about working out. I absolutely hate thinking about it, mm -hmm. but I'm glad I did it. Yeah. yeah. And usually, much like working out, something incredible comes from it. Yeah. And as long as I keep that in mind, I can charge it. But <laughs> I hate the idea of... <laughs> diving into it. So. so what's the what's the fear when it comes to conflict? So when we think about, you know, when I think about especially my times in ministries, when I think about my tendency to want to send an email instead of have a conversation or to want to say like, well, if it happens again, then we'll talk about it. Like what yeah. what what are what are the fears that were that cause that anxiety or cause us to to really dread the idea? I think this is a really good question and it may be something we all should ask ourselves. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking while you're talking, what really is it for me that, you know, is that, mm, let's just let that go sort of yeah. thing. And there is some wisdom in letting Absolutely. some things go, right? I mean, choose your battles carefully, win them decisively. Yeah. That's one of the best parenting pieces of advice mm -hmm. that I ever got. Um, but for me, I think a lot of it goes back to the home I was raised in hmm. where you do not... Mm -hmm fight. You do not cause trouble. Maybe even a little bit of 
you know, who do you think you are to have an opinion, you know, mm-hmm. as, as a child, maybe something, some of that, or just maybe even as, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's just, there's something in me that goes way back yeah. that, um, that is, that I have to choose to overcome mm-hmm. and move forward. So I don't know. What about you, Stuart? Well, I, I would, I would so like my opinion would so coincide with what you're saying, because I think at the root of conflict, is the reality that everybody has a narrative. Everybody has a story. And our default is always to believe that my truth is the truth. Hmm. And, mm-hmm. and when that bumps up against someone else who thinks that their truth is the truth, there is an impasse. But the harsh reality is that as hard as any of us sitting around the circle and those listening try to be empathetic. We can never be 100% empathetic because I can't see things through Crystal's perspective. Her narrative is different than mine. Because mine's right. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. (laughs) So then we're forced to just like, that's why it's work because you're forced to keep asking questions and to keep trying and to fight yeah. For the relationship with this person, but also to fight, fight to gain perspective. That's the uncomfortable part of conflict yeah. to me. And my, my experience is, is almost the other side of that sometimes. So part of, part of my neurosis is that I always assume other people are assuming the worst of me mm-hmm. when that's, yeah. that's just not reality. No, that's mm-hmm. So for me, my fear of conflict a lot of times is that that it's, it's not going to go well. They're going to push back on this. They're not going to understand. They're not going to, you know, whatever about this, this, or this. And so part of my temptation when it comes to conflict is just to yield that I was wrong. Hey, you know what? I, I didn't handle which obviously we all know in leadership, you know, we have to eat things. Sometimes we shouldn't have to eat just because you have to own it and you have to say, yeah. you know what? You know, right. Deep down, I don't really know if this was if this was my fault. Sometimes we have to do that, but when it comes to conflict, I think it's sometimes easier for me to deal with owning something that I probably shouldn't own. Yeah, because I'm so afraid of that. This is not this is not going to go well, or I'm not going to say the right thing, or I just believe the absolute worst case scenario is going to come out, which like spoiler alert, like it never really happens that way. It's always worse in my head than any, any sort of conversation I go into that I was fearful of. My wife. That's so funny. You go ahead. I do that too. I pre-apologize to avoid the conflict. Yeah. (laughs) Like I will fabricate a mini conflict on the front end and like pre-apologize because I I really just don't want to have the conflict because I want people to like me. Yeah. And I assume if I'm if I'm not gonna have the conflict, I'll have it in my head and win. But if I'm gonna have it and I'm gonna have a conversation, then I pre have the conversation in my head and I lose every yeah, time. Like absolutely. it's a disaster every time. My wife is quick to say to me, like, "How far down the road are you with this conversation?" You know, like, <laughs> like you have no idea what direction this is going. So I have like I am pre deciding about yeah. you know like seven or eight or nine arguments down into the conversation, <laughs> yep. which rarely. It ever Which gets never yeah, <laughs> actually sure. happened, and it, it, and as you said, it's always way worse. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't know where I read this. I know it 
I read it somewhere, but it's that idea of wherever there's an absence of data, we make up stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And fear fills in the gaps. Totally. And when you make up stories because of gaps, you create conspiracy theories. <laughs> That's what a conspiracy yeah. theory uh -huh. is. And then you react emotionally out of a fictional... Out of a fictional, yeah, yeah a fictional reality. narrative that ha fictional that's, reality. That, is that is so far real? away from what is actually true. Yeah. We had an intern here once who was so good at this, and she would say, this happened and this happened, and the story I'm telling myself in the middle, and she would explain her story and go, is that right? Hmm. And I was like, you are way better at this <laughs> than I am. <laughs> so good. Yeah, so true. So I went through an assessment process that one of the things that it talked about was this idea of conflict. And essentially, it helped you measure, okay, when it comes to the way that you handle conflict, you know, when compromise and yield were kind of the three things that it tried to categorize things into. The idea of, okay, when, it, when it's in conflict is the most important thing. Mm -hmm winning. And so I, I run people over in order to get what I want or whatever the case is, or yeah, is it more, is it more of a, or is it more of a conversation and I'm willing to give to take, but you know, I still push forward based on what I believe is true, important, all those kind of things. Or is it yielding where I'm so, I'm so just ready for there to be peace and for there not yeah. to be conflict that I'm willing to even kind of compromise on the direction that I feel like mm -hmm. this should go or, yeah. or what I feel like this should be. And it came back like that, that I, I, I yielded too, too uh -huh. much. Uh, and so that, that's been a really helpful piece just in that language for me of, okay, you know, winning, yielding, or compromising. Obviously the healthiest part most of the time is, is in that compromise, yeah. is in that compromise. Do piece. you do that professionally and personally? That's a good question. I do that more at home. I yield it more at home, I think, than I do at work. Yeah. I do the opposite. Do you really? I yield a lot at work and will just fight to the death. Oh, really? <laughs> For my point, yeah. Yeah. I, Take the feed sorry, the honey. I am a male crystal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like that quote on a mug, please. <laughs> I will fight to the death at home, but I'm hoodie. much more yielding. Yeah. Interesting. At okay, work, you are. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we're gonna have a little story time moment. So if uh -oh. if you're willing, I would love for you to share a conflict story. So it doesn't have to be your worst or your best. What 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 is a moment where you learned something about conflict because of a conflict that you were in? Gosh, I think. I mean, for me. The worst, mo the worst conflict for me is when it's unnecessary conflict and it's my fault. Like mm. those are the ones like conflict's important, but when I jump to conclusions or whatever, and I can remember one, I mean, the biggest fight I had at my last job was with someone I super respected and wasn't really close with, but he was in charge of a department. Um, and one of my very close friends was in that department and he made, actually, he didn't make any decisions. It was my problem with it. He was pretty far away from it. And my friend was just getting hammered in mm. this, you know, this reality. And uh, again, super poor move on my part instead of picking up the phone or instead of getting face to face. And we will talk about this later. And instead of saying something like, hey, can you help me understand something? Yeah. You know, um, I just texted. Bad idea. <laughs> you know. For the record, it started with <laughs> bad idea. You know, I can no longer support basically you as a human being because, you know, <laughs> I mean, and it was so my fault in it. And he called me up and 
blasted me. Um, probably more than he should. He would probably say he probably did. But I mean, it was as, yeah, as direct mm. and loud a conflict wow. as, as I had in my professional career. But it was, I mean, but I triggered it. There's no doubt. But again, it was uh, me overreacting, using text messages, and probably because a friend of mine was hurting, I was emotionally, mm, yeah. you know, I should have, <laughs> I, I was probably a quiet time away from sending that text, you know, I really <laughs> needed to calm down. But that that's when it goes worse. Hmm. Is there anything worse than when you send a text you know you shouldn't, and the other right. person's emotionally healthy enough to call you. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh no, this is terrible. <laughs> That's or, bad, even when it's not a conflict. Or text. show like up, if right? you just ask a question yeah. and then you get a call. It's like, man, come on, I just text me back you. the answer. Yeah. So one of the things I've learned in conflict, that I and I hate it. There is no secret about how much I hate it, but I have learned that there is no such thing as avoiding it. It's delaying it. Mm. And I remember we were at a at a, a work event and there had just been tiny what should have been conflicts with a friend over and over and over and I should have said something and I should have said something and I should have said something and I didn't and it erupted like backstage at an event and it was, uh-huh. it, I mean, it was like a volcano level comparing that person to their worst enemy out loud. Great move. It was terrible. <laughs> it was the worst. Crying, like just awful. Awful. And when it all came down to it, it was like, well, why didn't you tell me six months ago? Well, that would have been a much easier conflict yeah. to have six Mis- months ago. Yeah. It would have been a four minute conversation. Mm-hmm. Misdemeanors are a win in conflict, right? Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. Because yep. you're going to step on somebody's toes, especially right. when you mm-hmm. work as close as we work, you know, together a lot or it's just going to happen. Families for sure going to mm-hmm. happen. So. I have like I have too many to share. <laughs> That's the problem, which probably says something about me personally. One very vulnerable thing that I'll share is that uh, in my professional work, I had someone that I had a whole lot of respect for. When I was walking off stage, say something very derogatory about my communication style, hmm. and it mm. sent me in a tailspin for like five years mm. because I was unwilling to confront it. Hmm. Um, and uh, what I did was I filled the gap with a conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. and what it winds up doing is makes you incredibly unhealthy. Mm. The reason why I was comparing myself to a female crystal, although she is much more attractive, um, (laughs) is that at home, I won't do that at home. I will fight for truth, but for some reason, when it comes to professional things, Especially when it's involving me personally. If it's you that is suffering, I will fight. I'll mm-hmm. get there because yeah. I don't want you to suffer. Yeah. But like you, I'm willing to be the, you know, I'll I'll be the martyr, and that is wrong. I yeah. think I think if we're not careful, we can become incredibly unhealthy because we're unwilling to to get to the root of what what the issue yeah. is. So thanks for asking that really painful question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Stuart. Um, what do you think it's important to know? We've kind of hit on some of this already. What do you think it's important to know about who we are, how we're wired when it comes to handling conflict in a, in a healthy way? I think, I mean, I think you've, we've hit on it a little bit. Like we don't know the whole story. And, and if you can convince yourself that, 
one, I don't know the whole story. Two, my emotions may not match reality. Mm. You know, where you should you should honor your feelings mm. and not trust them at the same time. I don't know if mm. that's good advice or not. For me, that's kind of how like okay. I mean, you know, I've had to learn to like okay, what was that? I need to pay more attention to that as opposed to just set them aside and not trust them. But I've also dealt with people who, right? Reality is their emotion, and that's right. Not mm-hmm. a great way to live either. I'm sure there's some sort of scripture in there. Crystal? Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> On the spot. It's because I did a scripture um, for Mike check. Yeah. Yeah. Walking concordance, would you speak up? <laughs> One thing I think is helpful is just to recognize where your conflict training came from. Hmm. Because no, I was such just a good point. looking at oh, a wow. study from CareerBuilder that says 58% of managers never received any management training. Which means they they receive no conflict training. And so where do we get it if we don't get it at work? We got it at home. Well, I was an only child. And so I've recognized over the years, part of my conflict issue is I just don't have a lot of practice. Mm. And so I've had to practice conflict to make up for what I missed at home. And I think everybody, whether you, you know, parents had a good marriage, bad marriage, a quiet, quiet conflict, loud conflict, we bring a lot of that with us. Yeah, that's good. I would like to thank in advance Dr. Brene Brown for what I'm about to say. (laughs) But I've learned recently, uh, reading one of her books, this challenge that before, whether it's with your children, your spouse, a professional relationship, ask yourself this question, is this person, do you believe that this person is doing the absolute best that they can do? Mm -hmm. And that question is very unsettling because if you answer no, then you probably that's probably showing like if negativity is your immediate default, that's more of an issue with you. Hmm. Mm -hmm. If your answer is yes, then it allows you to be a lot more empathetic and provide grace. And, and so I think those questions for me have been very helpful. She articulated something that I've been trying to do only in the last few years of, is this person doing the very best that they can do? And more times than not, honestly, the answer is Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. to, to Crystal's point. Because so many of us, like, it's impossible to be 1,000% empathetic. Right. Most people are doing the best that they can do. And even in their empathy towards your perspective, they're doing the best that they can do. Right. Which requires another question, and that is, do I have enough information about this to actually freak out? And if I do, is freaking out going to help? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) we get where that leads us. So it allows us to just kind of level out and center to actually try to accomplish something. Yeah. And this is, to me, this issue is a very important conversation as it relates to not only what we do professionally with other people in the office or at home, but what small group leaders are, the the relationship they have with students and vice versa, the relationship that the youth pastor has with their small group Mm -hmm. leaders and vice versa, uh, because we're dealing with a generation who has so many triggers Hmm. That if you're not careful, you could decide I'm never going to touch really sensitive subjects. Mm -hmm. But what that means is that we send them into life and we've never really been their friend. We've just kind of gone, well, we agree with everything that you do and we haven't helped. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hmm. For me, one of the one of the pieces kind of going back to kind of the, the yielding conversation for me, what, what, I have to, what I have to do when I'm thinking through an issue with, with somebody or something and, and thinking through conflict, one of the filters that I have to work through is what is 
what is the what is the purpose of the conflict? Mm-hmm. What will the conflict lead to? And for me, kind of one of the biggest driving pieces is kind of mission vision. Mm-hmm. That I know that if 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 it's going to take some sort of conflict for us to be able to move in, you know, a, a faster, healthier, better direction towards mission and vision, that's usually a driving piece for me. I I can I can do that. If that's not the focus, a lot of times it's 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 so much easier for me to yield whether I should or whether I shouldn't. So for me, just knowing that is such a challenge for me is helpful for just for me to know mm-hmm. because chef like you said like yes, there are absolutely some things that you know we should just be kind of like okay, mm-hmm. need, need to keep my eye on that, but I don't think I need to do anything about yeah. that right now. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's so easy to just keep saying that over, over and sure. over and over again sure. until there's no boundaries left yeah. over here. And feel good about yourself because yeah. you're so understanding. Right. Exactly. That sort of thing. But you're not bringing to the whatever it is, yeah. whether it's a can, work or your family, like the true you. Yep. you know? Can we lean into that a little bit? Because mm-hmm. I think we all have heard a lot of language, in, especially in Christendom, about this idea of choosing to trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would love to lean into that. <laughs> because in my opinion, there's another side of choosing to trust yeah. that we don't really talk about. Right. Can you, because you've lived in that yeah. world forever. Well, I mean, yeah. And that comes from Andy's right. idea and leadership. And we, we talk about the, the shadow side of Andy's teaching sometimes because choosing to trust is what you do most of the time. But the shadow side of it or the harder side of it is until you can't. And then mm. you have to have a conversation. In fact, that was one of the trainings you got on my team. If you started on my team, you would get a whole talk about trust is not earned. It's given. It's a gift. And you should respect that. And so we're going to give people uh, our trust because they're on our team. And so we can keep moving. We're going to give them the benefit of a doubt until we can't. And then we're going to be adults. And have a conversation and clear it up. Because if you mm. don't clear it up, choosing to trust without a conversation leads to just pessimism. Yep. It leads to you resentment. know gossip and yeah. resentment and and a it bunch also of nasty avoids stuff. to me it avoids conflict when sometimes the most trusting thing that I can do yeah. is to have a very difficult conversation with you. Yeah. Because I trust that you know I love you and vice right. versa. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, and to be clear with Andy's teachings, like that is part of his teaching. It's no just that people use his power phrases <laughs> right. uh, as excuses right. not yeah. to do something. Same right. with like choosing to cheat. Right. You know, like sometimes Let's not you come just to gotta work, work hard. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. choosing to cheat. Well, you're choosing to lose your job. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I've had older pastors, you know, on planes be like, can you tell your boss to change the title of that book? I am tired of 23-year-old, you know. Right, right. <laughs> People right. coming to me who just need to do some hard work, you know? <laughs> right. Anyway, that's, that's so a true. whole side yeah. issue. But so, so for me, one of the things that has been most helpful in figuring out where mm-hmm. I am with that, because I feel like I can't always trust myself to mm-hmm. know, okay, do, is this but a I think conversation that's a great I place have to start. or not? Mm-hmm. That's a great place to start with a conflict. Of like, hey, I am having a hard time sorting this out. That's yeah. so Can good. we talk about this? Yeah. Because if not, I'm going to create a conspiracy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that needs to be part of our team's yeah. vocabulary. <laughs> Before I create a conspiracy theory, can we have a conversation? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm I think confused. having people in your life that that love you enough to tell you that you're wrong about something. And so like I've, I've had people that I feel like I can process something with and they can tell me like, 
yeah, like you, like you have to have this conversation yeah. or yeah, you're kind of being neurotic about this. I don't think that, I don't think it's something that you have to, no, that's to cool. worry so much about right now. So having those kind of people that you, that you can trust who kind of know your issues and how you normally handle conflict. And, you know, if, if you tend to jump right into conflict that they can say like, yeah, you're jumping into this one a little bit quick. Let yeah, this one right. simmer a little bit. I don't think, I think you're making a bigger deal than it should be. Yeah. I have to have those people too, because then when I tell them I'm thinking about the conflict, then they hold me accountable to actually have it. Having it. Yeah. Instead of having it with them thinking about it and then never actually having it with the And then your brain releases all the dopamine like you've already had the conversation and you feel yeah. better but nothing has been resolved. That's exactly <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and if you know if you shield yourself from all conflict all conflict you stop growing. Yeah. If you open yourself up to every conflict opportunity, you become a whole of the butt variety. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it <laughs> uh, well yeah. <laughs> so so there ha it is about balance. It's a and it is about surrounding yourself with people who you trust enough that are going to love you enough to go. I, I want to make sure I'm seeing this right. Is this correct? Yeah. So what are what are some of the ways that we can recognize when conflict is healthy or, or when conflict isn't healthy? I think running it by somebody. I have a I you know I spend a couple hours a month with a guy named Dean, and these are the sorts of things that are on my list. I'm like, mm. all right, feeling some tension here. Do you think this is worth bringing it up? And then he helps me bring it up well. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, one of the one of my very many shortcomings is I speak harshly, especially when I'm passionate. And mm. that comes from my where I grew up, blue collar, mm -hmm. western Pennsylvania, where we are direct with each other. Well, I now live in the South. So <laughs> um, we're not direct till we want to murder right, you. Here. Yeah, that's right. Bless your heart. I means I hate your guts. So, <laughs> but, and so what I've learned to do is I have to, I'll, like, I'll tell people, I'm not ready to have this conversation yet. Mm. I need to go sit down. And, and that usually doesn't work because they're like, no, we need to have it. And I'm saying, well, then you're going to need to, I'm going to verbalize yeah. some things I don't mean because I'm not ready to have this conversation. So if you'll give me that grace, and help me think out loud, then I'm willing to have hmm. this conversation. So I, I have that conversation all the time with one specific person <laughs> on this staff. Um, whereas like, I'm, I'm not ready, but they yeah. keep pushing. Right. Um, a lot of times people go, okay, let me know when you are. And I have to write out a sentence for myself. Hmm. And that's just me. This is my thing. Like if I go into a conversation because I know I want to be a pleaser, I'll know, you know, I'll have two or three sentences that I have to say before I end the conversation. That's so good. Does that make sense? That yeah. is good. Yeah. So. And I love the be ready. Like, am I ready to have this conversation? Yeah. Like I've started asking myself questions like, am I willing to sit next to this person or do I feel like I have to sit across from this person? Hmm. Mm -hmm. If I'm willing to sit next to them, I'm in a good place. If it has to be across from them, I'm still not ready. Can I put the issue in front of us or is the issue between us? Because if it, if I can keep it in front of us, then we can deal with the yeah. issue. If it's a between us thing. I'm trying to remember where we sat last time we had that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys double up on boots? Yeah, that's, right, that's right. That's right. It's super weird when he's ready to have a conversation. If you ever see Chef and I in a restaurant sitting beside each other, yeah, we're having conflict resolution. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing, too, is am I willing to ask questions and try to gain perspective? Yeah. Or... Is there something in me that just wants to fight for my side? Yeah. I'm not ready. You're not ready. I'm not ready. You're yeah. not ready to ask a yeah. question. That's good. I have to put a lot of time into explaining, re-explaining, vocalizing, writing down even what the conflict is 
because I've learned when I get face to face with somebody and if something gets heated, the amount of cortisol in my body rises and I can't think straight. Mm. I can't come up with words anymore. The brain shuts down. And so I just have to go over it enough times that there's no emotion left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just mm-hmm. have no feelings mm-hmm. when you show up. One thing, I mean, one thing you're saying though is important. Like, why am I feeling, why are my emotions so heightened yeah. about this topic? Is there more to it than just this? Like mm-hmm. what's driving that? You, if That's one part of getting ready to yeah. have the conversation. And own your part of it, you know? And that's also a great place to start. Hey, I may be overly sensitive to some of these things, and that's not your fault, but can I have a conversation? You know, at least Mm -hmm. you're giving people perspective of where the energy is coming from. Yeah, I do do this weird thing that I have to be careful of where – I, I don't, I don't like conflict. I'll, I'll yield, I'll yield from conflict. But when conflict is, ob, is obviously existing in some way, a lot of times I want to rush into it because I want to get it over with. Mm-hmm. So like at home with my wife, we have, you know, there's this all the time. Like I'm the one sometimes that pushes, no, let's like, we need to talk about it. Let's, let's have this conversation. Yeah. But that's a selfish thing. That's mm-hmm. a selfish thing because I, I don't want to have to worry about it anymore. Mm, that's funny. And it's not necessarily like, I don't, I don't, I'm not excited. I don't want to, I don't want to rush into it. Like, I don't want to have the conflict, but it's already there. Yeah. So a lot of times I make it worse mm-hmm. by just trying, Hey, let's, let's no, let's have this conversation yeah. now so we can get to the resolution. Yeah. And then I don't have to, I don't have to worry about this anymore. Yeah, Cause maybe they're mm-hmm. not ready. Right. Yeah. You know, on top of that. And really I'm not ready. Yeah. I'm just, I, yeah. I just want to jump into it. It's like, you know, jumping in the cold water. Like I just want to jump in. So yeah. I acclimate quicker. Sure. But like, that's not necessarily going to lead to any sort yeah. of, of but, resolution. But there's another side of that too, though. Usually when we do, if we handle the conflict resolution correctly on the front end, there's usually only a few seconds of discomfort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's those few seconds. It's kind of like, once I jump in, it's going to be cold initially, but my body's going to settle down. It's the same way with conflict resolution. The initial, hey, I need to talk to you about something yeah once it gets out there if you've handled it correctly you go somewhere yeah, yeah. And well you can, i mean if it's something new i right. think you're right if it's something that's been bothering you for a long time and all of a sudden you feel the need to have that conversation right now and you haven't done the work yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. maybe that's the mm-hmm. difference is and that's what a misdemeanor is like a this is a brand new thing let's talk about it versus mm-hmm. so does that mean we need to be better at keeping short accounts oh i think oh, so yeah I think so. Did the Bible say something about that? (laughs) Crystal? I thought Reggie Joyner said something about that. (laughs) That's in the Bible? Reggie Reggie 212. (laughs) Reggie 212. Oh, gosh. (laughs) One of the best pieces of advice one of our our coworkers gave me when he was leading the team is he said, we just have to have a numerical number of how many times something bothers us because we'll just let it go hmm. if we don't. Hmm. So the number is two. If something I say or do bothers you enough times that you go talk to your spouse about it twice, yeah, come talk to me about it. Hmm. And I was like, that that was such a good check for me to go, okay, well, this is the second time I've complained at home. Right. Oh, I got to go have a conversation. Right. Yeah, hmm. that's good. To some degree, what we're saying, though, is that if you're going to lead from a place of integrity, you can't be quiet about difficult things. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Silent leadership is not, I don't know if it's leadership. leadership. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. good. I mean, if you've got to charge hard, difficult things, but to do it with the love of Jesus and hopefully compassion and uh, this attempt, 
the most difficult part to me is being empathetic toward the opposite perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or we're not really not leading. Right. What's the quote from Orange Tour that Reggie says right now? I've seen it a couple of times about the church in the neighborhood that if we if there's an issue in the neighborhood that we don't deal with, we forfeit the credibility. Our credibility. We, yeah. We forfeit the right to influence that community yeah, to some right. degree. And, and that's probably true individually as leadership. Like, right. You know, I mean, again, and... I can. I'm, I'm imagining sitting in my car listening to this and thinking, what "Well, my doing? boss never dealt with." You got to realize your boss has a huge world and right. a list of things, and they and may be doing them the off. very best that they can. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and there, which is yeah, another great way to start the conversation, <laughs> right? Trying to understand their perspective, but you know, just because they haven't dealt with it right now doesn't mean that they're not going to. It right. just might mean. I mean, you have no idea what they. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Their world is so big. And they're dealing with some really hard stuff. So, but. And you don't know what they're dealing with personally. Yeah. But as a leader, you should think, what am I ignoring? Yeah. How does, how do you guys see this equating with teenagers? I think we have to, we have to teach teenagers how to have conflict with each other. Because. I agree. Our temptation is to fix it as the adult in the room. And they come to us asking us to fix it as the adult in the room. And there's a biblical model for conflict. If I don't teach them that, if I don't teach them to have conversations with each other, I'm not doing my job. So yeah. I, we've had a lot of we've had a lot yeah. of sit downs, and I'm always offering to be there. I'm happy to be there. I don't have to be there. Right. But you two've got to figure this out. Right. Here's, well, here are or, tools I would use if I were. Or even to take it a step further, like I, I'm thinking about the small group leader that m- maybe listens to this, and they have a teenager in their small group. And they've built this incredibly strong relational bridge, but they don't trust it enough mm-hmm. to have a really difficult conversation yeah. about a behavior or a thought process. Yeah. What I would love to know, like your perspective on that as it relates to conflict, because in some regard, we are graduating ducks into an eagle world hmm. because we haven't had those difficult things, or those difficult conversations. And then... Yeah. There's a there's a very famous coach in the world that talks about the reason why I coach him hard is because life is hard. And mm-hmm. when they get into the real world and have a boss and, you know, there's a difficult conversation, this kid will fall apart if, right. you know, so that kind of thing. truth. No, I think that's a great thing to that's one of the things that we can, you know, show them and that they can actually feel. I think it was, you know, we would use the phrase build a relational bridge strong enough to to support the to truth. support the truth. And that's what you're doing as a small group leader. But that, again, the dark side of that is eventually you have to sit down. But there's an amazing lesson for a student in that. And maybe they've never heard hard truth, especially this generation that's mm-hmm. coming up. But you hear hard truth and then we're the same. Or like our relationship is still good. Oh, that's yeah. good. I mean, that. So in some regard, you're modeling. Right. You're yeah. modeling. Yeah. Right. And yeah, yeah, I'm disappointed. But I still love you. Yeah. yeah I feel like. I would have made a decision different than you, but I still love you. Or as Crystal was saying, like modeling, like you sit down and you say, Hey, can you help me feel the gap here? Because I I hear what you're Mm -hmm. saying in small group, but I also hear that there's some of this going on. Right. Can you help me understand the in between? And again, it may be good news. It may be bad news. I'm sure that they'll try to fill it with Fake mm-hmm. good news at first because they're they're not good at you know and you just keep chipping away. Did you just away. say fake news? Fake, I did. Say fake good news. <laughs> fake good news. Fake good news. Fake good news. Um, anyway, I just think that's a really great point. Or 
I mean, the other thing that I always would try to do, especially with parents, because a lot of times in a small group situation, you've got two parents Mm -hmm. and they've got you as the medium through them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the first thing I do is ask for everybody to get in the same room. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you argue different when you see somebody's eyes, right? Right. Or you're stuck in the middle of an email stream. You know, the first thing I do is get it off of email, you know, and at least hear each other's voice. But, and a lot of times they won't come in. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm not going to mediate an argument mm-hmm. yeah. that you're not big enough to come. Right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and at that point, you know, I feel like, well, unless you can come in, I can't be the middleman on this. Um, is I've, I've written that email or had that conversation mm-hmm. several times. And many times they never did come mm-hmm. in. But, it did. It did eliminate it from my world, which was great. <laughs> but we, I mean, How because of our position, <laughs> we get drawn into the middle of that stuff all the time. And we've got to be better stewards of our time and, yeah. and learn to identify it, you know, because the pleaser in us goes off where we're trying to make everybody happy. And that's not realistic mm-hmm. either. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I saw our church do such a good job of this a couple of years ago. Um <laughs> Some parents were upset about uh, an event we had in our small group where, sadly, I wish I'd been there. I would have made the same mistake. My co-leader showed a movie. Well, that's the first problem with your small group oh, event. You weren't there. Good yeah. gracious. No, I would have I made the exact same mistake. My co-leader showed Show a movie up consistently. and thought, she thought, you are such a jerk. <laughs> She I thought, am a whole of the butt variety. I'm going to quote scripture. Awesome. You. <laughs> no, no, no. So my co-leader, she she shows a movie that she thinks the rating's different than what it is. Ooh. Right? Yeah. Tough, yeah. tough there. moment. Been there. <laughs> so parents go to the church and the church says, that's a great concern. I need you to go to that small group leader yeah. and have a conversation with her in person. Yeah. So then the parents came to me. <laughs> Right. And it was the and because I'd seen the church, I was like, oh, I see what's happening here. No, 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 you need to go to the person you're upset with. I'll go, I'll go with you. Yeah. I'll sit there. Mm-hmm. But you need to go to the person. And then what was great was the girls got to watch that too. Oh, that's they good. got yeah. to watch the parents work out something with a small group leader. They got to see the small group leader who they love and adore mm-hmm. apologize and say, hey, I made a mistake. And they get they get the skills of apologizing. And it was better for the girls what happened than it was yeah. for the yeah. adults. Mm-hmm. But I think they've got to see us work out conflict together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, especially when, in the, you know, right now, conflict is, is, is not a foreign concept to the culture that most of us <laughs> no, live in. It's not. Um, healthy conflict. Or conflict resolution is it, absent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so helping them helping model for them like we're saying i think is such a, i think it is such an important piece for them to see you know that conflict is uh something that you can work through not necessarily yeah. i mean i feel like conflict is just like a lifestyle mm-hmm. in, in with the way that kind of media is right now and everything is so partisan and one-sided and everything's just kind of back and forth and so you know to an extent you know there's there's a level of of peace that we won't help our students understand how to how to live out of in their in their relationship with God if we don't give them some sort of an indication of healthy ways for them to handle mm-hmm. what it looks like to have yeah. a disagreement or, mm-hmm. or or an argument or to be able to put things aside or you know to put ourselves to you know whatever it looks like mm-hmm. so there's a youth worker listening and they are not good at this but they want to model it so practical. I mean, what have you learned? Stuart, you're, you've been around for I'm seven old. or eight decades. Third shot taken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I agree with, with what Brett's saying. I think 
I think it is so important for us. First of all, we need to embrace the suck <laughs> because it, it is absolutely awful. There's another quote I'm going to put on a mug. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely awful. Thinking about it, waking up and realizing today's the day it's going to happen. Yeah. Driving to the mm-hmm. meeting. It's awful. But if we can be humble mm-hmm. and gentle and attempt to gain perspective yep. and fight for it. And I think this is a big thing. It probably isn't going to happen in one meeting sometimes. Right. Like you don't plant the seed and eat the fruit in the same day. And so consequently, don't yeah. go in with an expectation of, well, this is going to be immediately yeah. resolved and we're going to be the best friends forever and ever and I'm in. Well, yeah. you can do everything totally right and it not end because right. this is not all your responsibility. We tend to correct, you know, it, it's the other person's got to handle yeah. it well as well. And so that's our job yeah. right, is to realize and kind of come to a place where my job is to be emotionally not detached, but... Right. Honest, honest right. about it. My job is to be humble. My job is to to remind myself I don't know the whole story. My job is to not jump to conclusions, and you know, and to to be as gracious as I can right. in the conversation. But my job is also to you know read those three sentences. Whatever it needs to yeah. be said is yeah. to say it. And um, and I would spend some time making sure those sentences are right, you know, <laughs> right. crafted carefully as well. Again, yeah. with humility, but honest. Yeah. you know, honesty is the best policy. But if your honesty is masking shame, guilt, and ridicule, that's not honesty. That's shame, guilt, and ridicule yeah. hiding under mm-hmm. the yeah. premise of honesty. Yeah, yeah. And so I I could not agree more yeah. with your point there that. That's why it's good to write down your three right, sentences. Right. Well, I, I'll give you one example where I messed up and I had a great wise friend who came back to me. You know, um, he said something in a conversation passing and I just, I said to him, I'm just so, I, what did I say? I'm so disappointed in you that you feel this way, blah, blah, blah. And he came back to me and he thanked me for the feedback and then, and then came back to me a couple of days later. He said, thanked me for the feedback again. He said, hey, can I give you some advice? And I was like, sure. He goes, if you just would have said, from what you said, it felt like, as opposed to I'm disappointed you did this because he said that would have opened up the conversation in a whole new way because what you read it wrong. He said, Mm -hmm. I said it wrong and you read it wrong. Had you just approached it with a couple of words of, Mm-hmm. Hey, it appeared to me, I felt like yeah. something like that's based on what you said. Is that, is that what's going on? He said it would have been a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, isn't that always like the, the joke that people make about therapy? Like you use feel language. Well, I feel, and we, we people yeah. make jokes, but that, that it's is such a, that's a, such a helpful. I feel when you, because mm-hmm. yeah, that's like mm-hmm. one of, I, I think that thought all the time mm-hmm. I feel. And that's the hardest part. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what this is. It's not just anger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my profile. I'm learning from the Enneagram. I'm, <laughs> a, I'm an anger-based person. <laughs> I feel when you, whatever it is. Right. And then the because part is actually where right. you actually, a lot of times, because when I was a kid, this happened to me and it brought up bad yeah. feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with the person at all. You yeah. know? And let's so. not make any, let, let's not downplay this. Everything we're talking about takes a tremendous amount of courage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not kitty play at all because our culture is full of so many people that yeah. just deflect and live in 
anger and shame. Yeah. And the th- scary part for me is that we're also bringing up and investing in a generation that, I mean, you nailed it. They don't know how to handle conflict. Crystal mm-hmm. nailed that. They they don't have difficult they live conversations. In either or world. It, or, yeah. Oh, if or, we could do anything for yeah. the next generation, could we help them see that the yeah. world is not either or false right. dichotomy? That's the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's the beginning of critical thinking, passing yeah. either or, right? Mm-hmm. So that's Brene Brown mm-hmm. as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. Thank quote. you, Dr. Brene. Yeah, we, appreciate you. <laughs> we should so, have her on the podcast. Yeah, we should. We should try. So one of the things I decided pretty early into ministry is I was going to be a really easy person for people to say no to. Because mm-hmm. I wanted, because I mean, we, we know in ministry, you ask a lot of people to do a lot of things. And most of the time, the answer is going to be no, or it doesn't really work out for me right now, whatever the case is. And so I decided really early that that was going to be you know, at the risk of that becoming too easy for people to say no to me, that when people said no, that I was going to talk about, hey, you know, I, I love when people have boundaries and they respect them or w- whatever the case is. And I think that there's some reality when it comes to this idea of conflict, too, is I want to be I want it to be as easy as possible for someone to confront me about oh, wow. something. Mm-hmm. And so I want any, anytime someone's, you know, I would, I would hope obviously who knows if I do this well or not, but if someone, you know, says like, Hey, can I, you know, can, can we talk about something? Hey, can I, can I give you some feedback about something you said as you were leading that meeting or, you know, this thing that I ho- overheard you say mm-hmm. to this person or something like that? Like, you know, the, the humility side of things, all of those pieces, like I want to, cause right. That person probably had that same day that you were talking about. They went to bed thinking about it. They woke up thinking about it. And I want them to experience that kind of that just flushing of fear mm-hmm. when they bring up that conversation with me that I want to experience when I have to have that difficult conversation right. with, with someone else. And so obviously I think there are so many practical things that we can think of when it comes to what does this look like when I try to confront somebody about some different issues, but it's, it's also how, how am I confrontable? What, how do I respond to people when they, when they want to have those difficult right. conversations with me? That's so good. Crystal, I've heard you talk about kind of a practical thing that you learned somewhere along the lines that is is fascinating. Tell, tell me more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a friend named Becky Kaiser. Becky is such a great human being. And one of the things I really respect about her is that she has conflict and she likes it <laughs> and not, she likes it cause she's mean, but she said, I like it because it's productive and it doesn't scare me. And so one, hmm. one day I said to her, can you just teach me what you know? Cause I don't have that experience. And she said, well, I use sometimes what's called the OIC method and the O is simply observe. And you tell the person, this is what I observe as objectively as I can. This is what I saw happen. This is what I heard you say. This is what I observed. The I is how I interpret it. And so I, I noticed you're not coming to work and I interpret that mean to mean this, or I noticed that you didn't show up to my meeting and I interpret it to mean that. And then the C is asking the person, can you clarify if, if I'm interpreting it correctly? Yeah. And so, Hey, I noticed that you rolled your eyes in a meeting. I interpret that to mean you hate my guts. Can you clarify? Do you actually <laughs> hate my guts? <laughs> you know, that sort of, yeah. oh, I see. And usually the person will clarify and say, no, that's not what I meant at all. And it's such a, a low impact way to have conflict. Yeah. So that's so good. Oh, I see. Observe, interpret, interpret, interpret and clarify. clarify. I love the word interpret yeah. because it's, 
it's just subjective. Yeah, it's it owns subjective, the subjectivity. and yeah. it, you know, people can put their guns away, right? You know, at yeah. that right. point, because right. you're going to get an opportunity to clarify. Yeah, so. and that's what that's how we fill the gap. That inter- yeah. Yeah. like mm-hmm. I saw you roll your eyes. The way that I filled that gap is you rolled your eyes as something because that you I said. <laughs> but what really happened is they got a text. They looked. They looked down at that text, and they were responding to the text. A lot of times, it mm-hmm. doesn't even have anything to do yeah. with what in our minds we filled the gap with. Because mm-hmm. again, at least me. What I, I don't, I don't, I tend to not fill the gap with the most positive things. Right. But with kind of what are the worst case scenarios, whatever kind of makes it, makes it worse for me. Yeah. What else? Any other resources that kind of before we wrap up the conversation that you would say, hey, if you haven't checked out, you know, this book or this has been a helpful thing for me when it comes to conflict? I would say two books that have equally kicked my butt and I can't <laughs> employ everything they say. Uh, one of them is called Radical Candor by <laughs> Kim. I'm trying to remember what Kim's last name is. It starts with an H. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. But Radical Candor is just being more honest than I really want to be. And then uh, I had to read Level 3 Leadership by James Clawson for a class. <laughs> and it's been really helpful. It talks about finding people's um, values expectations, beliefs, and assumptions, mm. and using those from a place of conflict. Both of those have been really helpful. Daring to lead Dr. Brene Brown. She talks about very similar to what you were just saying, um, that clear is kind, unclear is unkind. Mm. Mm-hmm. When you're clear, you're being kind. When you're being unclear, you're not being kind. So such a helpful book. That is awesome. I am so unkind. <laughs> that was clear. Here's a clear. Here's a clear title. How to have that difficult conversation. Oh wow! By Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Um, so it's a great, very practical. It's got some exercises similar yeah. to the OIC stuff that you just walk through and prepare, and it's a lot of considering the other person's perspective. It's good stuff. Yeah. Crucial Conversations is one for me that has been really helpful. So we'll make sure all those end up in the show notes because no one that's listening to this is probably going to read all those. But maybe you just look at all of them on Amazon and you decide which one of those might be be the most helpful. All right. Any any last words before before we sign off for that person who's listening and they know the conversation they probably need to have. And now it's even deeper in the pit of their stomach because they're like, oh, gosh, yeah. I just listened to this podcast. I got to have this conversation. Any any last thoughts as we wrap this up? Pull over your car, send the text to set up the meeting. Hmm. Oh, that's so good. Oh, because good 30 minutes from now, you will not care as much as you do right that's now. That's true. So but do it right now. Be sure to pull the car. Pull the car. Yeah. Especially pull the car in Georgia. With the yeah, especially no, in Georgia. Yeah. No, what is it? No hands free. Hands free. Hands free. No hands. No hands locked. <laughs> not allowed to drive with hands anymore. <laughs> that's terrible. Um, I think mine is just be realistic about the win. I know you're hmm. fantasizing about everybody agreeing, um, but you, the win is for you to communicate well. For, you know, to give the other person an opportunity to communicate well and then you're done. But if they don't handle that well and then sometimes you're just a person under authority and your authority disagrees with you and you've got to walk away. But at least, you know, and and that's how it ends. Like I'm a person under authority. I I will support that decision. That's good. And uh, and you have to walk away. But um, you've got to be realistic about, you know, the outcome and Mm -hmm. you only control so much of it. Good. Easy learning never equals strong skills. Ooh, easy learning never equals strong skills. It, if you avoid because you want it to be easy, you'll never be the greatest version of the person 
God created you hmm. to be. So it's going to be hard, but embrace the suck. <laughs> and the second thing that I would say is, Crystal, earlier I observed that you called me a jerk. <laughs> and I interpreted that, that we have an issue. And I would like some clarification. <laughs> I would like to clarify that I do not think you're a jerk. You're just I thought acting you were being like a jerk. Funny. You had a jerk <laughs> moment. <laughs> you were not. That is not a reflection on your character, Stuart. Um, I believe the best. See, we just we just did a case study on air. It's Boom. amazing. Also, I could never be angry at someone wearing a hoodie like the one you're wearing right now. We'll a put that in your that show will notes. Be in the show notes. <laughs> with, with the hood on during this whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> And indoors, the, and the longer on. we've gone, the harder it's hotter it's gotten. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my my uh, I forgive you. My last way. piece would be find find that person that you can have those conversations with, who's going to be honest with you to say, who knows you well enough to know how you normally handle conflict. CJ's literally taking the picture of the hoodie right now <laughs> for the show notes. Um, find that person who knows you well enough to know. You know what I. I you're going to want to try to avoid this, but I think this is worth having the conversation. Yeah. They can kind of walk you through, you know, where, where you should go from that point. Find, find that person. So good. All right. So this is another awesome, fun, uplifting conversation <laughs> that we get to have around this table. But honestly, one that I hope is, uh, is helpful and is life-giving, even at the same point if the pit in your stomach is growing bigger and bigger because you know there's a conversation that you need to have. And so if you want to learn more about these resources that we've talked about, please make sure that you head to rethinkingym.org. And if you want to chime in on this conversation, then we would love for you to join us on our Facebook group. We're going to be jumping into that conversation this week there too. That link is also in the show notes. Until next time, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening to the Think Orange podcast and for tuning in to this special episode from Rethinking Youth Ministry. If you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, search Rethinking Youth Ministry wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll find the entire episode there. And if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to check out more resources from Orange students, including our weekly youth ministry curriculum, XP3. And help us welcome back Rethinking Youth Ministry by posting your favorite episode and tagging at Orange Leaders and at Orange Students in the post. That's it for the Think Orange podcast. Until next time, keep investing in the faith and the future of the next generation.